Hey church family, welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. So we're in the final week of our series titled The Great Reset. Elijah was great. He was a hotshot prophet who has his expectations and visions of saving the world and reforming the religion he cares so much about. And that was dashed. Elijah gives up, feeling that he's failed and it's impossible for him to make it all work. But the lesson he learns is that God has been at work even in his failure, even if he couldn't see it. Elijah realizes in his great reset that religion would always matter to him because it wasn't on him to be God, only to be loved, to matter to God. So how will you recommit to things without taking everything on your shoulders this year? Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Amen. Well, friends, this morning we are actually wrapping up uh, our worship series that we've been going through this last month uh, called The Great Reset. The whole idea for this series has been that COVID changed a lot. Uh, It changed a lot back in 2020 and 2021, but we still feel its effects. In a lot of ways, it reset all kinds of things about our culture and society, about our schedules. Uh, So we've been taking a look all this month at four biblical characters who had their lives reset in some way and looking at how they responded to it and how they found God and faith in the midst of uh, that reset. And to close, uh, we are looking at maybe uh, maybe the most famous prophet of uh, Israel. We're taking a look at the story of the prophet Elijah. Uh, Our reading is from 1 Kings chapter 19, and just to give it a little bit of context, uh, this passage comes right after Elijah has, uh, there's a famous scene where he challenges the priests of uh, Baal, the false god, and they uh, challenge, or have a challenge who can light the altar, whose god can actually create fire. Elijah wins, he has this triumphant moment, and then that's uh, where this passage picks up. But friends, from 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 13, listen now for the word of the Lord. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head were some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, 
the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a great fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Friends, in Jesus Christ, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy God, once again we have come out to your holy mountain seeking words of renewal, words of grace, words of new life. And so once again, only your words will do. So Lord, grant us your words in this moment, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. For one year, our normal lives came to a grinding halt as COVID put all of our schedules, all our jobs, all our routines on pause. And about three years later, we find ourselves in what has been called a great reset as we all try and figure out what habits, what practices, what routines, what parts of our old normal matter enough to us to keep going or to restart. That's what this whole series has been about, about the way that so many of us have stopped doing certain things, stopped going to certain groups or restaurants or this or that, because after a year of not doing it, we found that we were okay without it. And the way so many of us have started new things, taken on new jobs or new plans, because our world changed and we changed with it. COVID reset a lot about our normal lives and left each of us to figure out in our own way what mattered enough to keep, to lose, or to start. And while a lot of people have been making those decisions based primarily on what things they enjoy the most or what things they feel obligated to do or to keep, what very few people, it seems, have been basing their new normal on is how the things that we choose to keep or lose shape us. That's something that it feels like has been missing from the whole post-COVID Great Reset 
conversation, but in many ways might be the most important thing. It's the little things that we choose to commit to. It's the routines that we choose to keep, the groups we stick with, the habits we start or drop that over time shape who we are the most, shape how we treat others, how we think about ourselves, shape what we believe even. I mean, if you think about it, it's not the big, dramatic, memorable events in life that shape who we are so much as the little decisions that we make every day. Do we choose to exercise for 30 minutes like we planned, or do we watch Netflix? Do we take five minutes to be still? and pray in the morning? Or do we start our day with more talking heads on TV? Do we spend an evening with a group of good friends or going to a Bible study? Or do we go to the riverboat each Friday? In many ways, the real question that we're all wrestling with in our great post-COVID reset isn't just what hobbies or routines do we enjoy or care about, but what do we choose to shape us? Or at least that was the question that Elijah had to contend with when he found his life reset in that passage we just heard. Our great reset began when we first heard word about a faraway virus, but the great prophet Elijah's reset began when he first heard that Ahab, king of Israel, had married a foreign princess named Jezebel and had begun promoting the worship of a foreign god named Baal, Jezebel's false god. Ahab built a great temple to Baal. He put up altars, he put up statues and pillars, so many that, as the book of 1 Kings itself says, Ahab did more to provoke the anger of the Lord than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Not exactly the greatest job review to get. So God raises up Elijah, who preaches and teaches and works incredible miracles and even defeats all of the false prophets of Baal in a great public contest. Elijah puts his heart and soul, his sweat and blood, into restoring the true faith of God. And for all of his efforts, Elijah fails. At the height of his career, at the peak of his power, when Jezebel threatens Elijah, Elijah runs away. As the biblical commentator Charles Spurgeon put it, Elijah failed in the very point at which he was strongest, and that is where most people fail. Abraham failed in his faith, and Job in his patience. So Elijah, who was the most courageous of all people, fled. Elijah's life is reset. His plans of being a great reformer all fall apart. He runs away in shame, curls up under a small bush in the middle of nowhere, and prays to God, saying, Lord, I have had it. I have had enough, Lord, Elijah prays. And pay attention to what 
Elijah says he has had enough of later on in verse 10. I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty, but the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and now I am the only one left. Those are powerful words from a very powerful prophet. However, there is just one thing about Elijah's prayer in the wilderness that many people don't always appreciate, but which is important to keep in mind. Namely, Elijah's prayer is not entirely accurate. Elijah hadn't completely failed. He may have lost his nerve for a moment, but he had already done so much for God and accomplished so much for the faith. Not all of God's altars had been destroyed, and not all of God's people had forsaken the Lord's covenant. In fact, at this point in the story, worship for the true God was starting to gain some real momentum again. Most importantly, Elijah was not the only one left. As God himself explains just a little bit later in the story, there are still at least 7,000 who have never worshipped Baal. In other words, it seems that at his lowest point, Elijah's views, his understanding, his assessment of the situation, his prayer are all a little bit misshapen. Elijah has gone through a very difficult reset. His world, his life have all been turned upside down. And in the story, you almost get the sense that Elijah has maybe lost some of the routines that once helped shape him. Elijah has been so busy that maybe he's gotten out of the habit of meeting with other believers, with that group or with that Bible study, to the point that he now can't see any other believers. He thinks he's on his own. Elijah's schedule has been so discombobulated by all the changes going on in life that he's maybe forgotten to keep up with prayer or with scripture reading, with the disciplines that always reminded him to be still, because he was not God. It wasn't on him to save the world. And the way things used to be have changed so much in just the past couple years for Elijah that Elijah has maybe lost touch even with the whisper of God. Elijah's life has been reset in a very big way. And in the changes, Elijah has lost not only a few of the things that mattered, but a few of the things that shaped him in ways that mattered. And so, in Elijah's great reset, God reaches out to bring Elijah back. Elijah has lost hope. He has given up and laid down in the desert, but God isn't done yet. God sends food, and God sends an angel, and sends Elijah even further out into the wilderness. Elijah marches 200 miles in 40 days and 40 nights as he 
very symbolically retraces the journey that Israel took out of the wilderness and follows it all the way back to the place where it all began, Mount Horeb, better known as Mount Sinai. God brings Elijah back to the place where people had always felt closest to God before this great reset, the place where God had first appeared to them in person. And then God does something even more amazing. God appears. Now, to give that just a little bit of context, throughout Scripture, whenever God appears, the appearance of God is typically associated with great, powerful winds or with dramatic fires or with the earth trembling and shaking. Think about when God shows up at Sinai the first time in fire and smoke or think about Pentecost when the Spirit shows up with the rush of a violent wind. So it's no surprise when Elijah looks out of his cave and sees a great and powerful wind that tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. But what's astounding is that scripture says the Lord was not in the wind. Then there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake either. Then a great fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that is what Elijah most needed to hear in his great reset. Elijah's life had been turned upside down, and in all the changes that he had gone through, Elijah had been so shaped by all the chaotic winds in his life that blew him here and there, so shaped by all the fires that he needed to put out, so shaped by all of his fears about the tremors and the earthquakes that might shake his world, Elijah had been so shaped by all the disasters that he had forgotten how to be shaped by the moments of peace and holiness that he used to know. And so so God comes and reminds Elijah at this most important moment that God is not found in all the fires and disasters that leave us misshapen, but God is in the whisper that makes us whole again. But the truly good news in this passage and the good news about the way the story ends is that Elijah gets to choose what will shape him moving forward. Elijah gets to choose between the whisper of God he used to hear every day and the crises and that have been shaping him more recently. And in the story, Elijah chooses to come out of the cave and look for God, not when he hears the fire or the wind or the earthquake, but when he hears the whisper. In his great reset, Elijah learns that sometimes the trick to moving forward is to go back the places, the things, and the habits that help us hear once again the whisper of God that shapes us 
little by little, every day, instead of the dramatic, busy, chaotic messes of the world that sometimes leave us unable to see anything clearly. Elijah finds in his great reset that what matters to him is the whisper of God that reminds him of who he really is and reminds him of who he is meant to become in a misshapen world. And as he steps out of the cave, Elijah goes out to bring the whisper of God back into his life. That's what's behind the question that God keeps asking Elijah, at least asks him twice. God doesn't ask Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? Because God doesn't know. God knows why Elijah is here better than Elijah. But because God wants Elijah to think, what are you doing here in your reset? What are you going to do next? That is the same question that we are all wrestling with in our post-COVID reset. And the good news is that like Elijah, we have a choice. What are you doing here? What comes next? What are you going to choose to let shape you? That's the hope that this passage has for us, has for every moment of reset. The hope that, yes, our normal lives have been reset, and yes, many things have changed and probably will go on, changing in years to come, but we get to decide what habits, what practices, what people, what holy whispers are going to change us in that new normal. With Elijah, we are all walking out of the cave after the whirlwind, the fire, the earthquake of COVID into a world in which it is possible to choose not just what we enjoy or what matters to us, but choose what will shape and form us into the children of God we were always meant to be. And not just as individuals, but all of us, the body of Christ. It's one of the most beautiful things about church. We get to choose together what projects, what needs in the community, what missions, what potlucks, what ministries, what things will shape us day by day in this new year into the hands and family of Jesus Christ. That's something else we've been talking about, that that is our vision, our prayer for this new year, for Christ to make us into your hands by the way we serve our neighbor and make us into your family by the way we love one another. We are out to let God shape us into his prophets, into his disciples, into his servants, into his hands, into his family, not in all the dramatic, memorable events, but with every ordinary routine and every simple habit that we set at Christ's feet. And we are not alone in that. We know there are others, and we always hope that you will join us in your own way. In the end, that is the great joy 
that lies somewhere behind our great reset. In a way, this post-COVID reset is a fresh start. Whatever habits we used to have, whatever our routines used to look like, whatever routines we failed to keep in the past, this is a new chance to make a new choice. With every group that we join, every worship service we attend, every hour that we volunteer, every gift we give, every kind act, every prayer we make, every moment to be still that we keep, we get to choose what things will bring us back again and again to God's mountain, where we get to listen again and again to God whisper words of new life to us day by day. The only question is, how will you choose to listen? What will you choose to be shaped by? And what will you choose to embrace in this new normal? For one year, all of our normal lives came to a halt and three years later, we are all more than aware of all the different ways our world and our lives have been changed. But the good news in all that change is that we get to keep changing. We get to choose the things that are going to change us. And with Elijah, we get to walk out of the cave of this reset and to choose how our God will whisper new hope and new life into our new normal. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. God in heaven and God with us, let us go back. Let us retrace our steps to the place before the crisis where we felt closest to you and Lord in stillness. Let us choose to listen to your whisper. God, let us hear you in little moments every day in our prayers and our service and the new habits that we commit to. And God, day by day, let us be shaped by your words of new grace and new life in this new world. Christ, come and reshape us into your hands that can reach out to work your miracles. And Christ, reform us into your family that can hold someone tight and give them love. God, bring us out of the cave of this great reset and let us find you once again in our daily lives that we might be shaped by your grace and made into children of your normal. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.